We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Blog Talk Radio. Good evening and welcome to the Hoosier Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Sammy Jacobs. Along with me is TJ Inman. We'll have Matt Weaver of Peaks.com on tonight as we discuss the February signing period that is coming up on Wednesday, February 6th. We'll go over who IU is expected to sign, how many players are supposed to sign, how this class is going to finish up, and what IU needs to do going forward to improve their team and their program and take the next step. So right now we bring in TJ Inman. TJ, how are you today on this foggy uh, footballless Monday? Yeah, doing fine. Uh, certainly, you know, we are now definitely in the throes of the football off season, but um, uh, it is what it is. And uh, spring ball will be here before we know it. I'm excited to talk to Matt. Always, uh, you know, definitely our best uh, best guest that we consistently have on, and uh, you know, just uh, about as well sourced of a recruiting guy that you can have in terms of Indiana football. So, hopefully, uh, we can give our listeners insight, previewing what uh, on paper is stacking up to be the best Indiana football class in uh, in our memories. Yeah, but right now we bring in Matt Weaver from Peaks.com. Matt, how are you this evening? I'm doing okay. How are you guys? We're, we're I, I am surviving. Uh, I hope TJ is thriving. <laughs> well, I guess surviving you know, better I, than I nothing. Don't know if, yeah, yeah, I don't know if anyone uh, in the Indiana winter is thriving much, but uh, getting by. All right, Matt, we have February signing day coming up on Wednesday. It is the second year of this early signing period, followed by the February signing period. You know, Wednesday in the past has been kind of like your Christmas, uh, so to speak, in terms of putting in the work. Second year now, how how different is uh, is having two signing periods for college football? Well, to me, the the, the – the uh, early signing period, December, has basically replaced the one in February as the main one, obviously. I mean, most of the guys sign there now. This one is still called National Signing Day, but in reality, the National Signing Day is the one in December. Um, you know, this is this is kind of like the one in basketball that, you know, November, most of the guys or most of the guys sign in November, and then there's a few holdovers in April. It's kind of what's happening in football. You may see it where more guys wait going forward, but for the most part, I think most guys are going to lock themselves in in December. So it's been about the same as it was last year. I mean, they're, they're, IU obviously has a few more spots. I think last year they took three um, in February, if I, if I mm-hmm. remember right. 
Jamar Johnson, uh, Johnson King, and uh, I can't remember who the third one. Was it James Miller? Was he the third one, I think? Yeah, um, yeah. So um, this year they're, they're looking to take five. They got one commit um, in Tim Weaver, um, and I think they're close to getting uh, safety out of South Florida, Josh Sanginetti uh, from University High School. So and then obviously they still have a few more spots to fill uh, before Wednesday. Matt, going forward, Tim Weaver committed uh, this weekend. Can you just tell us, you know, the offensive defensive lines are you know, have been a priority. IU will have a veteran offensive line this year. They're going to need to stack some young talent there to, to build going forward. And you guys, um, you know, put out that, that Terry Hepner article from, you know, just over um, 13 years ago. About the seven blocks of limestone, but you know, is the focus on this these last five guys going to be in the trenches uh, with, you know, maybe a a guy uh, at wide receiver and a guy at safety? Um, they would like to. I mean, I mean, let's just say, let's say Kamar Bell and Ira Henry went to pop. They would take those two guys obviously in a heartbeat and maybe and maybe pull a, a spot for. Uh, you know, another position, you know, because they would ideally come into this second signing day. They wanted two, uh, two O-linemen, a D-lineman, a D-tackle, I should say, a wide receiver and a safety. They've got one O-lineman. Uh, they're close to getting the safety. Uh, we'll see. I've heard that they're, it's it's down to them in Oregon for Christian Williams, who decommitted from Minnesota today. Um, you know, we'll see. I mean, obviously, Oregon got the glitz and glamour, but the proximity to home is obviously a big, huge advantage for Indiana. Um, you know, of the two, I, I, I thought Ira Henry might be the better shot, but I'm actually hearing they've got an outside shot with Kamar Bell. Um, you know, I think it's still going to be tough, but it sounds like they're at least in the in the in the mix and in the race there. Um, so, I mean, yeah, the, the trenches is important. You know, if they don't get Christian Williams, will they go to Latrell? Take Latrell Jean? I'm not sure. I think it's a 50-50 deal. Um, you know, it just depends on if they feel like he's he's better than maybe what they could get next year or as good as what they could get next year. Um, it's just there's a lot of moving parts. Um, if they don't get T.J. Jones, for example, receiver, my guess is is that uh, at least for this week they're, they're not going to take a receiver. Now, maybe if they have a spot open, they see if there's a grad transfer after spring ball that is uh, intriguing to them. Um, but, you know, if you, could get, if you could get any of their top-tier linemen, so any of DeJuan Jones or – Danielson, uh, EK, or uh, like I said, Ira Henry or Kamar Bell. Um, you take two of those guys um, along with Tim Weaver and be and be thrilled. As far as Tim Weaver, he's a tackle um, in high school. He'll be an interior guy in college. He's an athletic guard, kind of like a Nick Morosis, and probably kind of who I compare him to. You know, kind of just on the cusp of a, of you know size wise of a tackle, more on the low end, but athletically he could probably play out there. He's just not quite as long as you'd like. Um, but a good player, you know, comes from obviously a good football state and will bring some toughness. And, and size-wise, he's already close to being able to play. So, you know, hopefully get him in and get him get him uh, developed as quickly as possible and get him in the two deep. Yeah, his offer list was not long. Uh, there have been several articles written that he's um, kind of a late bloomer, uh, so to speak. And, you know, watching his huddle tape, the guy, I don't know the level of competition that he's playing in in Pennsylvania, but Pennsylvania does have some good high school football. Uh, and he's mm-hmm. a, a guy who's 6'5", I believe 285 now, 
and he he was he's very athletic. He was blocking downfield. They were pulling him as a tackle. Um, you know, skills that can translate to the guard position. But was this you know a case of people overlooking him, uh, or and are you now finding a diamond in the rough, or is there something? Um, that just some of these schools maybe uh, have have overlooked in Tim Weaver. Well, it, it, I mean, it, it, this could be the classic case of a late bloomer. I mean, to me, there's no better example than right here in our backyard and, and Dewan Jones. I mean, this was a guy yeah. that was getting absolutely no interest, and and a part of it was because he played another sport, basketball, that occupied a lot of his time. So people didn't really get to see him. I'm guessing he didn't go to a bunch of camps. Um, and, you know, but as far as the physical ability, it was there. I don't know what Tim Weaver did in the summertime. I mean, I know with a lot of guys, if you don't go to a bunch of camps, um, unless you're like a big time stud, you know, like a four or five, you're going to get overlooked a little bit as far as the the ranking services and the website services, because that's where they do a lot of their evaluations that is at certain camps. And if you don't go to camps and some kids don't go, they might play another sport or they just don't, they don't feel like they'd rather work out with their team. I know some guys do that. Uh, then you can kind of get overlooked. I'm not sure what his background is as far as the summer camps, but and this could be a guy that just kind of, you know, his senior year he kind of grew into his body um, and just kind of, you know, his play took off. I mean, that that's not unheard of. Um, you know, it does happen. Usually guys, you know, happen sooner. But, you know, like I said, Dewan Jones is a perfect example of that. Who, now, he's blown up. He's blown up like no recruit I think I can ever recall in my time doing this, at least in the state of Indiana. A guy going from basically D2 offers to – the who's who of college football um, when it comes to offers, but it's not, it's not completely unheard of. It's, it is, it, it is rare, but you know, like you said, with his tape, and I've watched it too, he moves well. He looks like a great fit as a guard. You know, maybe you can play him at right tackle in a pinch if you need to, um, but you definitely got an athletic guard or maybe even a center um, who, like you said, can pull out, get downfield. You know, not nobody, I don't want to compare him to Dan Feeney because that's not fair. But he kind of has those characteristics when he gets out, goes downfield, and starts you know running guys over. But it, we could only hope he, seems uh, a little he would bit reach better. that level. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, uh, you mentioned you mentioned uh, Josh Sangwinetti. Um, that would indicate that the ship has sailed on Cecil Powell. I, perhaps something happened. Yeah, yeah I'm here. I'm here. He's gonna. But, I'm here. Yeah. I'm, I'm hearing Cecil Powell is is going to go to NC State. So they okay. when they when they yep. kind of got that word, they they uh, they kind of immediately and they, and, and Sanganetti was 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 there was a chance he was a take. And this is where kind of the dominoes come into place. You know who what what falls where, who's available. Right. So for example, if they would have got Powell and, and either missed on Jones or Williams, and probably more likely Jones, then Sanganetti could have been a take as the best available. Um, that mm-hmm. that that could have been that could have been the case. Um, you know, now I don't think he, now I don't think if they miss on Jones, would they go and maybe take a trade on Collins? I don't think they'll do that. I think it was they they liked it was Cecil Powell and Zanganetti were kind of at the top, almost one A and one B, and then there was a little bit of draw. And Trayron Collins is a good is a good prospect. I mean, he's a good prospect, but I don't think they liked him enough that they would take him as the best available. They would, you know, if there was a spot still available on Wednesday, my guess is if they don't get the five they want on Wednesday, they'll hold back and and maybe see if there's a grad transfer at a position where they feel like they need to add an older guy um, after spring ball, see who's out there. Because, you know, this this transfer portal thing and these transfers, I mean, it's almost become yeah. like college football free agency. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. Kind of think of it as you're looking to keep yourself cap space or something. Um, a question that I had regarding Sanguinetti, um, assuming Indiana adds him uh, in terms of safeties, what are they getting there? Because that's a position that IU uh, certainly for now well stocked on. Uh, they do not need a guy to come in and have an impact this season. Uh, definitely good talent and depth there for now. But uh, for the future, I know that that was a position they definitely wanted to add in this class. Uh, so what type of guy or what comparison could you make for Josh Sanguinetti? Uh, another Florida product, so that's encouraging. Yeah, um, I would probably compare him. I'm not, he, he's got to get bigger. I mean, he's around six. Six one and a half, six two, one hundred and seventy. Now, and, and he may be a little bit bigger than that, but I mean, even if he's mid one seventies, one eighty, he's still got to get bigger. To me, he kind of, he, yeah. I think he, he kind of a Jonathan Crawford, Crawford type, a long, lanky guy, kind of play that back end, um, good range. Um, you know, I don't know if he's going to be as physically, the Jonathan Crawford physicality as a tackler during this time. I don't know if he'll be that guy, but I mean, he's a guy that also could play some corner. So I kind of see a little bit of maybe also some Jamar Johnson in him. You know, he's got the versatility. Yeah. Now, Jamar could play. You could slide him down to uh, to Husky. I, I mean, right now, obviously, Josh Sanganetti's uh, not that because at 170, 80 pounds, he's not ready for that. But he does have that versatility where you can move him around. I would say he's probably, and like you said, TJ, they're deep at safety, so redshirting him is not going to be an issue. At least it should be, hopefully. I mean, knock on wood. They don't have any injuries where they have to play a guy before he's ready. But this is a guy that, you know, you could redshirt. Maybe if he gets big enough over the summer, maybe you do the four-game thing, play him a little bit on special teams or try to find, a, you know, like they did with – although they played with Jamar more than four, but maybe try to find a uh, – get him some snaps in a game um, when you are have mm-hmm. a big lead or something. If you're playing a team, and you can get him some snaps in the fourth quarter. But – Good prospect. I mean, obviously he's got a ton of good offers. Just the, the biggest thing is he just needs to get bigger, um, and that'll happen. Yeah. I mean, he's just kind of a, he's a, he's a lean guy right now, but he's got that length that they want. Um, and they really like. He's got the athleticism, the ball skills, and all that. Plays great competition in South Florida. So just get him bigger, get him on the strength program, and you know it may be a year down the road or two, but uh, you know with the guys ahead of him, they don't need him to play right away. Matt, as far as where this class finishes right now, uh, according to 247's composite um, composite rankings, IU is uh, ninth in the Big Ten and 40th, uh, 40th in the nation. Let's say add five guys. Where do you, do you see them cracking the top 40 and breaking into that middle of the pack in the Big Ten? Yeah, and I mean to me, here's the caveat with this class. Um, I, when I when I do the class the, the class calculator because I mean you can mess around with it. it's kind of a fun thing to do plug guys in and see where they fit I find a guy in this class that has the same rating that Jack Tuttle had last year because in my opinion he should be counted in the class because he's a 2019 recruit and he's their quarterback recruit and when you plug him in uh, it, it changes things I mean when you he he would be the highest rated recruit in this class and it and it gives them if they get some of the guys they're going to get that I, that they could get. You're talking about a top 30 to 32 class. Now, that's things. There's variables there. If other programs add players, they're going to go up or, or you know, whatever, um, you know, lose players, whatever it may be. But this could be this could be a top. At worst, I think it could be if you include Jack Tuttle, which in my mind he should be included. Now he won't be on 247 because he's not a 2019 recruit. But when I when I look at it, I add Jack Tuttle. This is a top 35 class in the country. Um, that's what I think it's going to be at worst and. That's pretty impressive. 
considering two back-to-back five and seven seasons. I know it's kind of disappointing for fans, um, but they've really recruited well. This is a terrific class, and it's stacked on top of a good class from last year. Um, and if they can keep doing that, that's how you that's how you get a program turned around. And then as far as class balance, uh, at least in my count, there are nine offensive players. Do you see these recruiting classes finally get to the balance where IU needs to be consistently strong on both sides of the ball instead of uh, where we've, we've seen them in, in the past where, you know, one year they have a great offense uh, and, and a young defense, and then the next year it's – and two years down the road it's kind of, you know, backwards, a, a better defense and a young offense. Do you see that kind of balancing yeah. out now? Yeah, I mean, like last year, if I'm not, I don't know, I can't remember the exact numbers, but I think they, they were, it was more heavily leaning toward defense, the 18 class, um, you know, which they had to because they, they were replacing a number of guys. Um, so uh, you like to get to a point where, I mean, it may not be 50-50, but you don't want it to be where maybe it's like 70-30 where it's been. And that's just because of the imbalances where in, in turnover. And you're going to have roster turnover. Everybody does. You have players leave, players come, however it works. But you want to get it to where – you're not always scrambling, and you've got such these. You're either real top heavy at a position group. What I mean by that is you've got a bunch of seniors, and then maybe nobody in the middle, like the sophomore, junior class, and a bunch of freshmen, because that it makes it real hard to like. You could be real good one year, but then it, it's for the next couple of years, you take a real hit at that position because guys aren't ready to play. We're seeing we've seen that on the O line, we've seen that on the D line, we've seen that at some other positions where you know you're you're, you're going to have senior guys, but then when, when they leave. It really it puts you in a bind. So I think they're getting back better as far as that goes, as far as balancing it out. But there's, sometimes there are things you can't control. You know, you have some guys, you know, Grayson Stover and um, uh, the ninth kid, the old lineman, both got hurt. So you lost two guys who would have been, what, I think sophomores or juniors this year. Um, so that, that, there's nothing you can do about that. They just kind of put a hole on your roster at that position group, and you just got to kind of roll with it. But hopefully you get to a point where instead of these big ups and down gaps as far as, you know, offense, defense, and recruiting classes, it's pretty much even. So if you sign 25, maybe it's like 12 and 13 or 11 and 14, something like that, instead of having like 17 and 8, which is, a you know, obviously that's a pretty big difference. Yeah, uh, just balancing out that roster. Uh, TJ, did you have another question? But I uh, wanted to ask about just the, the – well, I – it's not really a recruiting question, but we have not had Matt on uh, since the addition of Kalen DeBoer uh, as the offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I know Matt had uh, you know, quite a bit of information that uh, that he was able to share on Peaks uh, regarding that. Definitely good stuff uh, to read on that. But Matt, um, in general, and I, I know that time's going to tell on this hire, uh, but just on paper and, and thinking about the hire and looking at Fresno State's offense and Kalen DeBoer's resume, uh, what do you think of the decision by Indiana to, to go with DeBoer uh, as the guy and, and uh, about the investment that Indiana made to go out and get this guy who was, uh, you know, a, a priority for Tom Allen to do? Um, your thoughts on the offensive coordinator search and the hire uh, in the investment that IU made, if you will. Well, first off, on the search, um, when I started hearing the names that they were talking to and who were coming to to talk about the position, I was very confident that they were going to get a good hire. I mean, you're talking Matt Canada. Yeah. Obviously, everybody knows what he's done. Josh Henson, who was the former OC at Missouri, 
Um, he's worked at o- uh, Oklahoma State. Um, obviously, Kalen DeBoer. Um, Sean Gleason, who just got hired at Oklahoma State uh, from Princeton, who is a brilliant offensive guy. And then um, Darren Henshaw from Kentucky. So you're, you, they were they were finishing in the right end of the pool. I mean, they weren't going for, you know, mid-major types or guys who really hadn't established themselves. Um, as I did research, I didn't know a lot about Kalen DeBoer. He quickly moved into my top, for me personally, and this is obviously a layman's point of view. I mean, I'm not in there talking to these guys like Coach Allen and the other guys are, but he was in my top two or three. Um, I watch his offense uh, at Fresno State. I like what he does. I like how when he goes to a school, they immediately improve. Um, it's kind of like what Allen's done as a D coordinator. I like that what it tells me is he can fit his scheme around the personnel, um, whereas he doesn't have, yeah. to have certain players to, to make his offense work. He can find a way to make it work with whatever he has. Um, and I think he's got good personnel in Indiana to work with already. So good quarterbacks, good skill players. If the O line can hold up, I think the offense is going to make a is going to make a big jump. And I think it's a terrific hire. And kudos to um, Fred Glass administration. I mean, eight hundred thousand for an offensive coordinator in Indiana. Eight hundred thousand for any assistant coach is unheard of. And if he hits some of those incentives, this guy can make a million dollars as a coordinator in Indiana. And now that's that's big boy money. And you know, kudos to Fred Glass. I've I've been a critic at times, but he deserves a ton of credit for making this happen. Yeah, and we too have been been credit, uh, critical of, of Fred Glass, the IU athletic director, um, as well. So I, I think he's realized that there needed to be a significant investment into this into the football program to get it where he wanted to wants it to be. Uh, in a board of trustees meeting last week. Um, as tweeted out by by the Herald Times, uh, Fred Glass's expectations were uh, are for the program to consistently qualify for bowl games, eventually uh, contend for East Division titles, and, and represent the Big Ten at, at a bowl game. And and he didn't mention it, but if you're talking East Division titles, your next step is is a national title because if you're knocking off Ohio State, Michigan, and Penn State, uh, you have the resume to, to make that next step. Um, on those expectations, Matt, I know, you know, between the two of us, um, there, there's a little bit of a, uh, of a disagreement in terms of setting up the fans, what their expectations should be, and, and we've seen it with the basketball program against realistic expectations and then just saying the right things. It's great that that Fred Glass's expectations are to accomplish all of those things, um, but I think the realistic uh, goals for this program in, in the short term uh, should be getting to qualifying for those bowl games consistently uh, every year. You know, maybe get to that eighty percent range where eight out of ten years you you go to a bowl game you. you win your trophy games at home and every so often you knock one of one of the blue blue buds off is what, what, what were your thoughts? um, If you care to expand on it, uh, on that mindset from Fred Glass. Well, I I do. And I know we talked about this. I I do like that you you have high expectations, but I also agree with you though. And I, Here's the thing. It was it was a Twitter feed, so maybe he said more than what they tweeted out. I don't know. I wasn't there. 
Um, I, I think he, you know, the thing is in today's day and age, when you say something like that, people automatically think, oh, well, he, he, he wants them to go to the Rose Bowl, you know, or, or win the Big Ten East and all that, um, like next year or the year after. I, I think some fans, they don't get it or they don't understand what he's, what he's trying to say. That's obviously a long-term plan. I don't know what his time frame is. Um, so, but I, maybe he should have conditioned it that way. I do like that they, that they put those out there because my thing is, you know, I think we kind of we kind of uh, texted about this. If you say our goal is to go six and six or seven and five, then all of a sudden five and seven and four eight four and eight become acceptable. Um, if you set your goals higher, then six and six is the floor rather than the norm or the ceiling. Um, but you're all talking about you are talking about Indiana football, where this is stuff that's you know for the most part is well not for the most part it's really never been done. Um, you know, so but I, I do like that he has high aspirations, but you also have to take into account, you know, this is a fan base that's obviously incredibly fickle. Uh, you know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, and if you say stuff like that and it doesn't happen in their mind when, it, when they think it should happen, then you're just you're setting yourself up for more heartache and failure uh, for this program and maybe putting uh, unfair pressure on Tom Allen and his staff who don't have the program, obviously, to that point yet. I think they're to the point where they can start competing for bowl games. But to think that they're going to compete for Big Ten-type championships, that's not realistic. But as you go down the road, maybe that's something – I mean, it's never happened, and you don't want to say it's impossible. Um, You know, I don't think anything's impossible, but it's obviously a very tall feat, a very tall order. Um, But I I just – like I said, it was a Twitter feed. So we're talking about maybe he said more that they didn't put in the tweets. But if he just kind of said it that way, I think it's – it was a, it's a little bit reckless to how you phrased it, but if his, in his mind it's a, it's, a, it's a progression. It's a long-term plan. I like that he said it. Um, I just wish maybe it maybe could have been phrased a little bit differently so that the average fan understands, okay, this, isn't a, this is what we're thinking about the next two or three or even four years. This is something that we're thinking long-term. If we stick with Tom Allen, he keeps doing what he's doing, we may have a chance to do some of these things. Yeah, and, and that Twitter feed also included Fred Glass you know, believing in Tom Allen, saying that, you know, while it is disappointing to go five and seven, he had to look at the future trajectory of the program. And with these last two recruiting classes uh, and, you know, 22 wins in the last four years of IU football is, is a lot of wins for the IU football program. Well, you like to get that that magic sixth win to, to play an extra game, uh, it is moving in the in the right direction, and and you got to kind of catch your breath a little bit and compare this program to where it was 10, 15 years ago uh, under you know Coach Hepner, Coach Donardo, and Coach Cameron and Coach Lynch to where it is now, where you know we're talking about IU competing against Oregon and and Ohio State and some of the other big boys for four four-star recruits late signing period, uh, whereas before it it really wasn't that. You you, you were bat- battling off Mac schools and, and maybe some um, belt teams. So, Matt, anyway, thank you for, for joining us today. Uh, get some rest before Wednesday, and we've got 208 days till IU football kicks off. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much for having me. Take care. Thanks, All right. Bye. All right, that was Matt Weaver from Peace.com. Great stuff, as usual, all the time. Uh, TJ, any final thoughts on, on this evening's show? Can the Wednesday, uh, you know, you 
you just hope that they can uh, snag a couple of these uh, priority targets that they've set for themselves. Uh, Josh Sanganetti sounds positive there. T.J. Jones, Indiana and Penn State battling for that wide receiver. Um, I think Penn State expected to get him, but uh, still, IU with a chance there. Uh, Christian Williams, of course, uh, I think one that you would love to be able to add at a position of need, uh, and that's another four-star guy. So, um, you know, you just want to finish strong, and uh, it, it, doing that would allow you to uh, just somehow, I'm not sure how the staff has done it, but uh, maintain momentum and carry that in the spring. Yeah, and there's they've IU under under Tom Allen and, and having Tom Allen on the staff has always brought in that late uh, the late recruit who's been an impact player. You go back to Marcelino Ball. Uh, you mentioned James Miller and and Jamar Johnson last year. So there there should be some excitement uh, from the fan base regarding these guys. If you land Christian Williams, he's a guy who could be an instant impact guy in a position of need mm-hmm. as well. So. Uh, Signing day, National Signing Day. I think it, Matt said it's still called that. Um, it's not the February signing period, but um, the National Signing Day is on Wednesday. Uh, we'll we'll have you all covered here on Wednesday, and then uh, Wednesday is Indiana Football Signing Day preview um, at the Henke Hall as champions. It's a really cool event. Uh, Tom Allen and the coaches go through the guys that they've recruited their positions. Uh, they show you a few highlights. They talk about them for a couple minutes. There's always food, uh, probably autographs, uh, a chance to renew season tickets and all that stuff. And it's before the basketball game against Iowa on Thursday night. So that's always an, a, a cool event um, that I usually make it down to that, that fans should go. If you're an IU football fan, it's a, it's one of the must go to events year uh in in my opinion so tj thanks for joining us on this uh foggy monday evening football yeah it's over it was a terrible awful boring super bowl from the game to the halftime <laughs> show to the advertisements um but you know football is sadly over uh congratulations to the new england patriots and, uh, you know, we'll see in, in uh, a couple hundred days where where things land in the college football sphere. And we, we'll be counting down the days. Spring football is coming up uh, in about a month in March. And uh, we'll have that all covered for you. Thanks for joining us. Uh, head back to HoosierHuddle.com for all your Indiana football uh, coverage and tweets. Follow us on Twitter at underscore at Hoosier underscore huddle. And don't forget, if you're a fan of vintage sports, uh, vintage sports memorabilia and things like that, go to vintagebrand.com. Their link is at the top of our site. They have really cool things, some gifts. Uh, if you're looking for Valentine's Day gift, if you're looking for a birthday gift, they have some really cool IU stuff there. Major League Baseball, NFL, NHL, uh, NBA, all sorts of stuff, specific bowl games. A really cool site. Check them out. Thanks for joining us on this Monday evening. Enjoy the rest of the week. Enjoy signing day. We'll see where IU shakes out when it's all said and done. And then we'll get ready for spring football. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. 
we haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh my, look at that, he is! And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win! Unbelievable! When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. The NBA Finals are heating up. Looking for hot takes on all the postseason action? The Old Man and the Three, presented by BMW, is the podcast to listen to for the ultimate finals coverage. Host and former NBA sharpshooter J.J. Redick not only has a plugged-in perspective on the action from his time in the league, but he's also announcing the games in real time for ESPN. J.J. has the ultimate insider point of view, and he's taking you along for the ride as he breaks down the best defensive schemes, dunks, and drives from each game. And speaking of incredible drives, there's no better place to tune into your new favorite podcast, The Old Man and the Three, than in a standard-setting BMW. Luxury meets power to create a wholly new driving experience. Push the limits this NBA season with the brand that set the ultimate standard, BMW, the ultimate driving machine. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. 